everybody. Welcome to episode 42 of Tunes Mate. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, believe it or not, we made it to 42. Yeah, my favorite number. <laughs> I know. The meaning of life, the universe, and everything. Jackie Robinson's number, my, my favorite number. Well, let's make it a good one. And I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year has some really good inductees. I'm amazed at who made it in. I'm going to go down a list real quick. Then we could jump in and talk about their influences because me personally, I, you know, Tina Turner, Carol King, the Go-Go's, Jay-Z, Foo Fighters, Todd Rundgren. Then you even have Kraftwerk, Charlie Patton, Gil Scott Heron, and then the Musical Excellence Award. You've got LL Cool J, Billy Preston, and Randy Rhodes. And then there's Clarence. Clarence Avant, like avant-garde. Think like avant-garde, yeah. What's fascinating, though, is I was trying to think of, you know, the common theme between all these. And you tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there's a thread here. Okay. And what I started thinking about was, and I know this could be every class, but for something, you know, and as we talk about each one of these particular artists, think about, I guess the word that kept coming to me is perseverance. Okay. So think about it. Tina Turner was with Ike. Mm-hmm. Went off on her own. Perseverance. Carol King, mm-hmm. songwriter, many years in the background. Nobody knew who she was. Went off on her own. The Go-Go's. Who would think that an all-woman band mm-hmm. would have that many hits and then go off and you have solo hits from Linda Carlisle and Jane Weedland? Then you think about Jay-Z. You know, he had a pretty stable career. Then he hooked up with Beyonce and bam, <laughs> the Foo Fighters from the embers of Nirvana and then Todd Rundgren. I mean, he's been trying to get into the rock and roll hall of fame for how long? <laughs> if you think about it, craft work, yep. they've been ignored for many years. Most of all electronic music, whether it's erasure and all these other bands, Depeche mode, I mean, Depeche mode got in last year and now, now they're recognizing craft work. So that's interesting. I don't know. You're going to fill me in I, about Charlie Patton and Gil Scott Heron, but I know LL Cool J Similar thing, you know, he's been around since the 80s, and Billy Preston was always the side guy. Randy Rhodes only had a very brief career. So I don't, it just, it seems like there's something here. Oh, I can't forget about Clarence. Yep. There's something to what you're saying. Uh, the, the thing that sticks out to me is that there are a number of folks here that, that you go down this list and you're like, they're not already in, you know, the... <laughs> You know, you kind of mentioned this with with Todd Rundgren, but I mean, Kraftwerk could fall under this. Charlie Patton could fall under this. He he's considered the uh, the father of the Delta Blues. You know, and if you know anything about the oh yeah, you know yeah. The, the history of um, rock and roll music and its development with the blues. You know, you might know Robert Johnson, and you know this is a contemporary of his, and these are the the sort of uh, the the founding figures of the the type of blues that would turn into rock and roll. So. You know, the fact that mm-hmm. Charlie Patton's not already in. Um, Tina Turner, you know, a couple of years ago became, was a year or two ago when, um, uh, was it, was it Stevie Nicks became the first woman to be inducted twice, right? Because she was oh, yeah. inducted as part of Fleetwood Mac and then inducted on her own. And people are like, well, Tina Turner really should have been because she was inducted with Ike. And now, you know, so she's getting the nod as herself. Carol King, I mean, I, I just writing about, uh, you know, Carol King this week and, 
I mean, she's part of the Brill Building in the 1960s that was producing hit after hit after hit. And, and the, okay, let's let's go into Carol yeah, because yeah. I I'm amazed by the songs that she wrote. That like the one that popped out to me was a locomotion. I mean, how many times have I played that yep. at a wedding? And of course, it's Kylie Minogue's version. Right, right, right. It's that song. Oh my gosh, just that song. Yep. Well, there there are lots of songs you could go to with Carol King that. Whether it, as a writer, and, and so you're alluding to the fact that she wrote these songs back in the '60s, right? And they were yes. This was part of a you know um, the music factory that was coming out of New York City. Uh, there's a building there called the Brill Building, and it housed any number of record companies. And you know, and she was part of that that thing with uh, you know folks like uh, uh, Neil Sedaka, and you know, I, I think uh, Neil Diamond gets his start out of there too, if I remember right. You know, anyway, there's you know there's all kinds of artists who come out of there, and so you got. Carol King, who's, yeah, I mean, established as a writer, you know, one of the, I mean, they were just churning these things out and, and established as a writer, writes some of the greatest hits of the 60s. And then, you know, come the 70s, you know, lots of things kind of separate. Um, the old system kind of falls mm-hmm. away a bit. Now, there's certainly still a, a sort of studio system in the 70s. But the, uh, some of the, the, the folks who were so instrumental there decide to branch off, you know, in different directions. She goes out on this, this solo career. Uh, you know, it's too late. I feel the earth move. You know, uh, you know, you go on down the list of, mm. of songs that, that she has. Um, and then, you know, and Carol King to me is amazing. I, I, I love the hell out of Carol King. And, and then that she, you know, she even has sort of this, this renaissance of sorts 20 years ago when Gilmore Girls comes out and she's, you know, they, take, yeah. they take one of her songs, If You Lead, and, you know, they take, they take that make it the theme song after a couple seasons, they bring her in as a character and, you know, it, it just, yeah. Carol King is, a, it, and like you said, it was that sort of, you know, this, this longevity of career and that spans uh, multiple identities, writer, yeah. songwriter, song performer, song producer, even actor, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just, I think out of anyone in this class, that's why I'm so glad we started with her. Because I'm looking across, and of course, everyone here should definitely bestow the honor. But Carol, to me, has so many contributions that are so underrated. I'm so glad that she got in. And that does lead me to Tina Turner, which we talked about at the onset, too. And Tina, I think, definitely deserves this. When I was growing up, I really didn't know about her and Ike Turner. But then when I, you know, I started seeing her on the scene. I mean, I loved almost every single one of her songs that came out. I mean, mm-hmm. what's love got to do with it. Right. The better be good to me, even private dancer. I was like, what's that? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And you know, typical man. I mean, all these songs that came out and then of course she had a resurgence from, I don't want to fight. Yep. Which back in 93, unbelievable career. Yeah. Yeah. Again, Tina Turner, right. Somebody who's had um, sort of multiple, chapters to her career right so like you said you know you've got the the time with ike turner and the the number of hits that they had they had some regional hits and then moving on to this this national um following and then of course you know breaks out on her own and you know it was an abusive relationship with ike turner to begin with and and then yeah in the 80s you know after sort of a really kind of a, a decade away of sorts right you know to, from the mid 70s to the mid 80s and then then comes out in the mid 80s 84 85 and just starts churning out these hits while at the same time pursuing a bit of an acting career right with mad max 
and 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 like you said yeah yeah right so i mean this has become sort of this another chapter and and you you say you you mentioned what's love got to do with it i remember a number of years ago a friend of mine the my friend mike butterworth he he said simple minds don't you forget about Mm -hmm. me is the quintessential 80s song right and i think there's an argument for that but i think there's also an argument especially if you want to account for diversity a little bit more uh, that that what's love got to do with it is the quintessential mm-hmm. 80s song. You know, you've got that sort of keyboard part going on in there. You've got a bit of rocking out to it. It's got a, a real hook to it that, that's really got an 80s vibe. And so in a lot of ways, you know, Tina Turner embodies the mid 80s, like just as much as any artist can. And then, like you said, there's that resurgence in the mid 90s, right? I Don't Want to Fight comes out. And it's all connected to the the, the biopic mm-hmm. that comes out about her with Angela Bassett playing playing Tina Turner, and 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 to this day, right? People know who Tina Turner is. I mean, people who were born after her last hit will still they know who Tina Turner is. And you know, at at eighty one years old, she's still you know, right? I um, I think she quit performing a year or two ago, but you know, she's still um, very much part of the music. Uh, our sense of music today it's going to be like her and Cher that will just be you know still walking around i mean they're just they they uh to me <laughs> they are very similar just um carved out a different shell there but then you know we jump down and we see you know the go-go's are there and to me that was surprising i mean i was like okay well the go-go's but then i started thinking about it and i was like well, wait a minute think of all the songs they have i mean we got the beat and vacation head over heels i mean they once again it's kind of this like punk rock kind of pop sensation and i just remember the video to vacation that was that's my memory yeah and they are they're sort of this you know there there was there were a few all-female punk rock bands you know you think of the runaways right and and the go-go's are right there and and so there's a legacy there and that they they had probably, I mean, the Runaways were are known, but they didn't have the commercial success that the Go Go's did, and um, and you know, obviously some of the members of them did, Lita Ford, Joan Jett, certainly, but uh, the Go Go's had commercial success with this this Southern California punk feel, but with uh, an all female band doing it right, so sort of staking a claim within what is a relatively male world in punk. And in music in general, for that matter, and you know that so that there's a sort of groundbreakingness to them, right? That they, you know, this this uh, that they were carrying the torch for women, and then but there's also an influence there, and you hear it in a lot of uh, bands right through to today, where uh, especially if you've got female vocals over some kind of punk influenced sound whether it's an all girl all all female group or you know it's a mixed gender group that you can hear the go-go's in there and like you mentioned at the beginning yeah. there's multiple chapters here again right so then Belinda Carlisle goes on to have a, a, a you know rather uh successful career after this uh Jane Weedland goes on to put out a number of albums and has a top 10 hit there's influence there's success and again it's another one where you know, they could have gotten in a while ago and yeah. they're not just now getting in. And I was going to say, I mean, if we wanted to, I mean, it's, <laughs> I think it's interesting how you talk about the quintessential 80s song. Yep. I really think you could argue for some of Linda's songs. I mean, I, yep. I think about Mad About You and what is it? Um, Heaven is a Place on Earth. Heaven is a Place on I mean, that song I just, just melted the radio yep. a few summers and it was just always on. I mean, yep. you, 
and it was later in the eighties, but I mean, well, and, and think of this, even we got the beat, right. I mean, in a sense, that's got that quintessential eighties feel. I mean, to the point that it opens fast times at Ridgemont high, right. One of the sort of quintessential eighties movies, certainly of the early eighties. Right. And this is, you know, Cameron Crowe who goes on to do, you know, any number of things related to music in his career, including almost famous. I mean, this is, that's the song that opens the film. They're going into the mall, the white quintessential eighties experience. And they've got, (laughs) we got the beat, a sort of song of the, of the, um, the Gen X. I mean, the the women in Go-Go's are a little older than Gen X, but it's that, that early Gen X high school crowd that was the ones being depicted in this film. And this is a song that sort of is the, my generation of their generation. Yeah. And, when I was a kid, I think we used to sing Big Stinky Feet to the song. <laughs> so I think when you can make a parody that Weird Al hasn't, it definitely is groundbreaking. <laughs> yep. Well, and, and, speaking of, and speaking of groundbreaking, this is another one. I mean, the fact that Todd Rundgren isn't in already is, is kind of mind-blowing. I mean, and, and not only for the music, but, but one of the things about Rundgren is that he is, was, has been throughout his career – an early adopter of technological advances, whether it's using the internet. The one I always remember was that when MTV got started, Rundgren was one of the pioneers at um, working with music videos and trying to get, he was working on his own project for music television at the time. And so, you know, he was a, he was a, um, an early convert to the use of video as a tool alongside of the music itself and then he went on from there, right, into to video, using video discs to, to you know, to, to promote music, uh, using the Internet to promote music, uh, you know, selling music over the Internet. I mean, this guy is a is uh, at numerous stages throughout the history of rock and roll dating back to the 70s. Rundgren is there as things are advancing. And that's why it's, it's crazy to think he's not in already. Yeah. And then I just think about just two iconic songs that he has that that are always in the mix of pop culture is the hello. It's me. Yep. Yeah. Everyone yeah. knows that one. That's a seventies kind of ballad, yep. but then he nailed it in the eighties with, I don't want to work. I just want to yep. bang on the drum all day. Yep. And that was used as an anthem as the five o'clock Friday song. Like, Hey, it's Friday. It's five o'clock. It's time to leave work. <laughs> That's the song that introduced me to Todd Rundgren in high school. You know, you, you got to, I was getting up in the morning for school. Right. And on Fridays, it was, it was the same kind of thing on Friday mornings. They play that in the morning. I mean, the, the, the top 40 station would play that in the morning as part of the morning show to get us, to get you up in the morning. And yep. I, I mean, you just can't, I mean, you just think right now, just close your eyes. You can hear the whole song, you know, the, the bass riff and, it's um, it's just one of those songs that just puts you in a good mood, and, and the other one actually, you know, it makes you sad, you know. So right. I think, and then I, I what, interesting fact about Todd that always blew my mind is I remember back they formed the New Cars because Rico Kasich wouldn't come back. Yeah. So they actually went out and tour with Todd Rundgren. I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> exactly, and it fits. It literally fits for him to be with the Cars, you know. Exactly. And then, you know, it's funny, the cars got inducted, what, two years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Before years ago. Todd. Yep. And, uh, and then immediately, you know, Rick, Rick Ocasek, you know, he, he passes that's away. Cool. Yep. But, you know, that's, that's why I'm glad they can get some of these artists because I think they wait too long and 
now half the crew isn't there accepting the award. You know, I'm sorry, you couldn't be here today because he's no longer living because you waited too long. Think about like Deep Purple and some of these yep. bands. So, well, and that's a that's a um, a transition of sorts to uh, Clarence Avant. He is mm-hmm. an old mu- music uh, executive, and he wins. You know, he's got the the Erdogan Award, which is for you know a, a music producer executive. You know, he turned ninety this year. And he's known for working with Venture Records, Sussex Records. You know, uh, Bill Withers is probably the the name you're going to know the best of you know the various folks. The SOS band, maybe Alexander O'Neill, uh, did some okay. work with Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis. But you know, uh, you know, he uh, uh, his influence was in a lot of ways, especially if you go back to to the '70s, the and, well into the '60s, but certainly in, in the '70s and going forward, um, the uh, uh, at finding, helping to develop black music and, and black musical talents, right? And he dates back to mm-hmm. jazz uh, before that in the '60s. But but this is this is one where you know you if, you know if you were going to do it, you needed to do it. You know he's 90. You know you know you don't know how long he has left, and and it's really fitting that 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 Avant is in is getting in this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, with well, and then. That jumps me to two that are underneath the Musical Excellence Award that are no longer with us. So you got Billy Preston that passed away, you know, I don't know how many years ago now, but he was backing Clapton in all of his live shows. And, you know, obviously he has a number one song with Circles, which was a great song. And then Randy Rhodes, who tragically passed away, you know, know, it, it almost devastated Ozzy because he was part of his resurgence. And you think about that and it's, yeah, I'm glad to recognize him, but wow. Yeah, you know, Preston, I mean, I was just looking up because I couldn't remember the date. It's been it's been 15 years since Billy Preston died. And I really Yeah, I would have thought 10. I honestly would have said 10. And it too. but it was it was June of it was actually literally this month, June of, of 2006, uh that Billy Preston uh, passed away. And he was only 59. Uh but you're right. I mean, he was known for for being connected to, you know, Clapton, the Beatles, right? Did I work with wasn't he the fifth Beatle? Yeah, yeah, that's it. They called him that, right? You know, sort of. Uh, he, you know, he showed he he did. Um, Not Pete Best. Come together with them, right? Come together with them and a couple other songs, and then then you know, and that helped launch his uh, successful career. Two number ones. You mentioned uh, Will It Go Round in Circles, and then also Nothing from Nothing. You know, nothing from nothing is nothing, right? Oh, yeah. You know, right? And you know, a couple, a few other top ten hits, and. And um, and then he shows up in uh, actually my introduction to Billy Preston as a kid was um, I think we've talked about on here before that I love the uh, the Bee Gees and, and Peter Frampton in uh, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band oh, yeah. film and he shows up in at the end of that he's the the guy at the end who's got the horn and brings back uh, Strawberry Fields and brings everybody back and you know makes everything happy mm-hmm. again and he, he's uh, and you know so Billy Pre- I mean Billy Preston is vital if you want to understand black music in the 70s you know mm-hmm. again from an executive perspective avant is right there uh from a performer perspective you got to know billy preston and again it's another one where like you said you know he's been gone for a while now and it's yeah. it's crazy to think he's not already in and then i think about randy rhodes i mean i've read a lot about ozzy osbourne and in his career and when ozzy left black sabbath he was a wreck and sharon osbourne brought him through all that those challenges which is well documented but a lot of people don't realize that Randy Rhodes was really a nobody at that time, stepped in, and because of his 
this genius on guitar mm-hmm. was able to take Ozzy to a level that no one expected. They go, oh, Ozzy Osbourne's leaving Black Sabbath. He's done. He's washed up. And now I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's more famous than he was in Black Sabbath. I mean, his shows, he's, you know, the Prince of Darkness. Yep. yep. <laughs> and there's just so much aura around him. So this is, a, this is an example of what you talk about, that, that you know, Rhodes was helped define Ozzy's career. And, you know, the fact that it, it's sort of as a, a supportive role that maybe explains why it took so long for Rhodes to be inducted. Uh, you know, and he was only 25 when he died in a plane crash. And like you said, that it was, you know, so significant that he was, he was an important part of, of, of Ozzy's solo career. And I think, you know, you, you may be right that Ozzy's solo career actually is much more than his Black Sabbath career. Um, he certainly was established in Black Sabbath. But you think about Ozzy, like you said, that, that idea of the Prince of Darkness, that image of him is that all of the, the notorious stuff that's associated with Ozzy, you know, spanning the last, well, you know, f- more than 40 years. And then, of course, you know, the sort of transformations that Ozzy's going through from that, 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 that Prince of Darkness thing to a guy who gets a couple, to- you know, a few top 40 hits in the late 80s, early 90s, right? And then the, the guy who becomes, you know, the new Ozzy and Harriet with the Osbournes 20 years ago on MTV, right? Which is sort of this, this weird take on the family sitcom, but, but works. Right. And so, um, you know, Rhodes is really important to that development. And as such, there's a real, really important case for him to be in here. Um, it might make sense why it took so long, but again, another one where you could have made a case years ago. And what made me question this category is I see L cool J, you know, musical excellence award. I got it, but I understand that it's not in the performer category, even though to me, I yeah. I know L. Cool J is you know definitely he's an actor, he's a he's a performer, he's all these things, he's helped other people, he's produced. So maybe it's just my ignorance of how the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does this, but definitely L. Cool J has a huge cultural significance with his songs. I mean, he even had some top hits in the '90s yep. that cause dance floors to quake yeah <laughs> yep yeah and i don't yeah i don't know how they break down what they break down you know to me some of the early influence i can kind of wrap i can wrap my head around that right the, but the distinction the the Erdog, the armad erdogan award i can i can wrap my head around that that's you know for a record executive the 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 difference between the musical excellence and the performer yeah i don't i don't completely get that i i think maybe we think about it as um you know, because to me, Billy Preston could have gone in the performer category just as easily, right? And right, and right. Rhodes, I mean, I can see where maybe because his 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 length as a performer, his time as a performer was so limited because of his untimely mm-hmm. death. Maybe that's why he ends up here, and it's it was his his musical contributions more than his performing contribution. Except that the, his performance on guitar was part of what made it, right? So, so I don't <laughs> exactly. I don't get it. Maybe with LL Cool J, it is that in some ways there are other rappers who whose performance is recognized more than him, right? Like uh, you know, certainly Tupac and Notorious Big and you know whatever. But and so maybe it's the idea that if you look though at the music that he's not only performed but also written and produced and just been a part of mm-hmm. that his greater body of work is that he advanced music in significant ways his use of 
you know, we did our, our sampling episode, and actually none of LL Cool J ended sure. up on there. No, that is interesting. But his use of sampling and his use of beat yeah. is really significant for what it did for music in the first in the late eighties. Right. And of course, you know, for many of us, yeah, that was the introduction, but I, but the, the song to me from the late eighties that, I mean, I, I need love was the one that introduced me to him, but the song that always comes to mind first, actually for me, and I don't know this is for everybody is going back to Cali because there's a certain rhythm. (laughs) Yeah. Right. There's a certain rhythm to that song going back to Cali, to Cali, to Cali, right. There's a rhythm that he's able to catch. And then you talked about his early, his, his hits in the nineties, right. Whether we're talking about Hey Lover or Around the, uh, Around the Way Girl, right. Or Mm -hmm. I'm that type of guy, which is actually 89. You know, I'm again, I'm that type of guy, right. There's, there's a rhythm that he's able to catch that I don't know that there's another rapper who's ever able to, to catch rhythm in that same Mama way. Would knock you out. Yeah. Right. Right. Think about it. I mean, think about the way that he, he catches rhythm in, and gets a hook yeah. there. So. I mean, mama, you, you bring up mama said, knock you. I mean, that's a perfect example. Yeah. I can already hear it in my head. It's good. Right. Song. And then, yeah, and then well. to bring in the, the wizard of Oz while you're at it for, um, you know, the type, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, for yeah, on that type of guy. Yeah. I mean, again, the use of rhythm. So maybe, maybe that explains it. But to me, he could have been a, in the performer. Yeah, category. I think. Yeah, and well, and then you know, we started going down that path, and I kind of jokingly said it a minute ago, but I think this is a good segue to go into Jay Z because yeah. okay, you got L Cool J, but now you got Jay Z, and I think definitely Jay Z really showcases his talent in this category. I mean, there's there's so many songs, and he's influenced so many other performers. Yeah. Yep. And he married Beyonce. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Again, that, that idea of influence, right? That he's, he's had such a long career. I mean, his career, you know, I mean, he, he, he hit, he hit it big in the mid nineties and he's had such a, a long career and, and a career that's not just as a performer, but as a, a, a really um, successful record producer as well. And entrepreneur. And Exactly. Right. As a, you know, you know, owner of sports teams and everything else. Right. So mm-hmm. I think that, again, this is another example where we see multiple chapters, that longevity. We might understand a little more why he's only getting inducted now. It's only been 25 years, and you know that's the, the cutoff point. So he's one is sort of getting inducted like when he first can, but already there's a longevity there that makes that case pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about a couple of his songs that just made such an impact. I mean, Crazy in Love with Beyonce, yep. you know, number yep. one hit that I remember. He did Empire State of Mind with Alicia Keys, you know, another one. And, you know, the list can just go on and think about Umbrella, Rihanna. I mean, it's just unbelievable. A lot of his big hits are teaming up with other people, but that's that's his magic. He knows who to team up with. Yeah. (laughs) And then even for life, right? You know, exactly. But yeah, I mean, those were his two big, his two biggest hits, right? And Empire State of Mind is the one that that I just, I mean, I don't. It's the it's the 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 ties to New York in my blood that you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not my favorite New York song of all time because yeah. Billy Joel's got that one, but it's it kind kind of comes in second or third there. So um. no, but yeah, no, I think you're right. And you know, what's interesting is, you know, now that you know, you've seen this 
career of Jay-Z and, you know, he's the first coming in, you know, the class that rolls right into the next one, the Foo Fighters, yep. which is first time eligible, first yep. time in. And they've also, you know, like I said, you know, now he's already in with Nirvana. So yep. you think about that. I mean, yep. how many, I know there's a list out there of how many people, but these are two big bands. This isn't just like I'm a solo artist and a main band. This is actually two legitimate bands that are in. Yeah, this is, uh, yeah, like you said, this is another one where, you know, uh, Dave Grohl is is in in multiple ways. Again, we see multiple chapters. And I mean, the Foo Fighters are still going. They just had a, a big alternative and rock hit in Waiting on a War that just this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, just as they're becoming eligible, right, at the 25-year mark, you know, and, and to think about the, the sort of uh, cultural impact of the Foo Fighters, I mean, even to the point of, you know, how I associate them with Mentos as soon as I think of them, right? I mean, because they, they made fun of that. That was their first hit. Yeah, that, that was their first big hit, Big Me, right? And, and they've made fun of a, a cultural flashpoint with the, the Mentos commercials in there. And, you know, talking about one of these days I'm going to go, they, they you know, uh, Warren, Ohio, where he's from, they've got Dave Grohl Alley there and they've got the, a sculpture, the, the, the world's biggest pair of drumsticks. Right. You know, this is this guy's pretty, pretty influential. Yeah. And he also was influential with just bringing back the old recording process as well. So mm-hmm. he's really been a pioneer trying to, you know, keep afloat the traditional way of recording music. And you can see why, I mean, if you listen to just the drums, the way they're, they're mic'd, they, they always, I don't care if it's him or Taylor Hawkins, they, they always sound like they're right in front of you. And I think that's a trademark of his sound. And it's because he understands the recording process does matter if you want to have a hit. Right, right. Which I, I think a lot of people don't realize. Like, all I got to do is just hook up Pro Tools. <laughs> like, um, sure. Yeah. Not. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's well, interesting. You know, when you think about that, you know, that's where craft uh, work comes in here as well. I mean, mm-hmm. the use of electronica the use of, of recording techniques i mean if you listen to some of their stuff you know it, you know if you're not used to it it's out there when you get used to it it's it is pioneering it is good mm-hmm. it, it's influential i mean you can't you can't talk about alternative music over the last 40 years without the influence of craft work yeah no i think you're right i mean I mean, I, I was introduced to craft work early on just because from the average listener, you had no idea who they came from, where they came from. So I think it crossed over into a lot of different genres. And, you know, I, I played it. Yeah. <laughs> I played yeah. the dance floors going. So I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's similar to kind of Todd Rundgren where, you know, early pioneers and I'm glad they're finally getting their, their due respect because, they really had a big influence on other people. And that does lead us into a couple others that were here. Now, did we, yep. we mention Charlie Patton earlier, correct? Yep. Yeah. Charlie Patton again, and you know, big influence. You think about yeah. the, you know, again, the, the early blues that led to rock, mm-hmm. uh, you know, him, Robert Johnson, that's the, the, you know, the sort of short list of folks who are seen right. as pioneers there. Yeah. And our, and, our last was Gil Scott Heron. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't know much about him, but from what I looked up, and this is 
why I love studying music is someone else, just like Toonsbait, someone else I got to go explore and, and find out their music. But early, you know, jazz influence, yep. fusion. Yep. And I think to me, that's that's something that as I've grown as a music lover, that I've I've grown to understand jazz and classical as I've been in been on this earth a little bit longer. But at, at first it just it kind of made my ears bleed a little bit. But now <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I, I want I want more of that. Yeah, uh, Gil Scott Heron is uh, he's he's freaking brilliant. He, or he was. I mean, he, it's been ten years since he passed away. I mean, almost to the date. Actually, we're just about a month out from wow. from uh, him passing away ten years ago. And he's most well known for the the phrase "the revolution will not be televised" and the mm-hmm. musical performance piece that he does uh, out of that. His influence is, like you said, he he built out of jazz. Um, there you. You hear sort of freeform jazz in what he does. You you know you can really hear it there. They're either improvised or they're 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 scripted in a way to make them sound improvised, right? One of the two, uh, depending on what he's doing, and and then it, it really keeps keeps in line with soul throughout the 1970s into the 80s, but then uh, really becomes a hip, a forerunner of hip hop music in in a couple ways. One talking over the music, right? So when we think of rappers, you know, the idea that I, I'm talking and I'm, I'm speaking in a rhythmic way that works mm-hmm. with the music, that become, you know, Scott Heron is an early innovator who influenced uh, rap music doing that. But then also the political sensibility of Gil Scott Heron. You know, the revolution will not be televised is just one, is, is just the most famous of these. But a lot of his work is this deeply critical, political, sometimes satire, sometimes just incisive um, and very insightful political commentary that's, that comes from uh, both an African-American sensibility toward, toward political and social problems, right? And, and voicing African-American perspectives on that. But then also just a, a more more general that's connected, but then can be more generalized, a really critical take on things that looks at economic, political and social issues, you know, sort of in this, you know, a, a contemporary of and in some ways similar to, though, though different because of who he's speaking of and for and who he is and what he's doing. But similar in some ways to George Carlin, that the idea of comedy and entertainment as a form of political statement. And so we think of Carlin doing that, you know, using stand-up comedy and and Scott Heron doing this using jazz and then soul and hip hop music and building building his uh, commentary over top of that. I mean, I think the world of Gil Scott Heron. Well, this is why I love this podcast. This is why I love Toots Mate. Just continue learning about music and we're hoping as you've been continuing listening to our podcast today one of these rock and roll hall of fame inductees jumped in and said you know i have to look up that artist i've never listened to Kraftwerk, for example i've got to check that out and ray the 36th annual rock and roll hall of fame induction ceremony is set for october 30th yep in cleveland ohio so it's 
I think this is one of the better classes I've seen in a long time. I mean, I think every year there's so many people to choose from and it's really hard, but I think this is a diverse group. And I think it really, like we started from the beginning, I think they all persevered to get here and whether it was they had to wait for a long time or just their careers themselves. And I'm excited about it. Yeah. Uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame itself is is marketing this as the most diverse list of inductees in the history of, you know, of inductees. And if you think about this in terms of representation of women and representation of, of African-American um, uh, performance and influence and musical excellence, you know, it's there, right? You know, they, they I, whether consciously or it just happened this way. Um, in perform at least in performance, you know, half of the performers are women, and the the Erdogan Award, uh, two of the three Musical Excellence Awards, uh, Scott Heron in the Early Influence Award, right? You know, we've got a lot of African American representation there. Now, you know, you might argue, not, well, how diverse is it more generally beyond that? You know, that there aren't any Latino artists in here. There's not, you know, any number of other things we might talk about. But certainly there's there's a there's a, there is a, a level of diversity in terms of gender and African-American representation going on in here or female representation and African-American generation representation going on in here. And so uh, even given that the class is one that, yeah, yeah, you know, I think we did this last year. And we're like, this is a great class. This this is a great class. I mean, this is as, as I, right back to where I started. There are so many different acts on here that that I look at and I'm like. Yeah, they really could have been in by now. And it just over and over and over again. Well, I was just going to say, I think that you hit it on the head. And as we always do here at Tunesmate, our whole goal is to introduce you to music and artists that you haven't heard before. And we're going to continually post about that on the site. We're excited about this upcoming class of inductees at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we're hoping that. As we continue, we're going to have some more topics just like this, more guests coming up in the future. Please follow us on all of our social media channels, subscribe to our podcast, and tune in because we're always going to have something interesting for you in the future. So, once again, I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And we will see you next time.